Welcome to the Sober Fanboy. I'm your host, John Jeremy. Today's guest is our friend Jamie. She's going to talk about her sobriety, a little bit about entertainment, and what community means. Yes, so, anyway, how's everybody doing? We're back. Uh, is that mine or yours? I'm on the bottom. Oh, you're on the bottom. Okay, I think good, so. good. I gotta watch myself. I gotta make sure I don't go get too loud. Yeah. Jamie, we got Jamie in the house. Hi, John Jeremy. How's it going, Jamie? It's going good. Oh well, my goodness. Excellent. I know Jamie for a while now, and Jamie's one of the best people in you the world. You say that to all your guests. Oh uh, well, all my <laughs> guests are the best people. It's true. You know, I I don't bring the the peoples that aren't the best. So, <laughs> but um, I know you, but maybe like people don't know you. So if you just want to say anything, you want a little bit about you and, and things like that, you know, like. Um, give the, an intro. Yeah, give an, an intro. intro. Let's... <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Jamie. Um, I've known John probably close to a year now. Um, mm. And I live in Long Island, New York. I'm 34, but I have the spirit of an 18-year-old, I'd say. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. I can vouch for that. And um, so being sober and sobriety is like my peanut butter and jelly. Like, that's what I eat. That's what I live. That's what goes through the body eventually and Woo! gets recycled into the world, I guess. So, uh, so yeah, uh, besides being sober and spouting the the truth of sobriety and what that means to me um i am also a cat mom i have two wonderful kitties who are like john's best friends and they miss you what are the names their names are kimmy and titus if people don't know where that's from you should watch the unbreakable kimmy schmidt and then you know oh my goodness that's (laughs) i love that show because i love 30 rock yes so when i was watching 30 rock and then i saw just the first episode of uh, Kimmy Schmidt. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. So one of my favorite episodes, and this is relevant um, to our topic today, is um, so it was Kimmy Schmidt turns 30. And I think I watched that episode like the day before my 30th birthday or 31st birthday. Oh, and if you don't know what Kimmy Schmidt's about, she like lives in a bunker held hostage for like whatever, 12, 15 years by yeah. this insane preacher who is John Hamm. And honestly... John Hamm is if, incredible. If he was a preacher holding me hostage, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know if that's a totally bad thing. But oh. um, anyway, we don't we don't make light of that situation. So she comes out and she doesn't have like an ID and stuff. <laughs> so like she goes up to this random man and she's like, hi, I'm 30 and I don't have an ID. So can you buy me alcohol? <laughs> and he's like, well, if you come to my van, like, yeah, I'll buy you alcohol after that. And then she tries to do it. And then her best friend Titus is like, Kimmy Schmidt, what are you doing? Don't you know anything about the world? Oh, no, you don't. You lived in a bunker. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So um, I got my cats five years ago and named them after Kimmy and Titus because I love that show. And they're like BFFs. And they fight sometimes, but then they make up, you know, um, just like my cats do. So, so, yeah, it's nice to have some some buddies so you're not alone at home, you know? Those are your children. They are my children. Yeah. They, I call them the dark ones because they're black, not because they're, like, evil or anything. They're just, <laughs> their color is black, so they're darker than, you know, you know, cats that are not the color black, so. <laughs> oh, my God. I love them. 
I love Kimmy and Titus. Uh, both on the show and in real life as as cat for, yes. uh, in the form of cats. As cat friends. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, it's funny because you talked about like, uh, you know, about the alcohol thing. And like, I remember being a kid and like having people uh, asking people to buy me alcohol or like, you know, one guy. It was so funny. We were in high school and we always like said what he said, like in passing. He was like, he looked at us and he was like, hmm. he's like, let's give it a twirl. And I was like, oh, wow. And, like, we just thought that was so like at that time so corny and funny that every time we talk to each other like he's like oh can you give me a soda i was like yeah i'll, I'll give it a twirl you know <laughs> and i just walk around I just thought it was so funny but um so yeah we met and we met uh under like the sobriety thing right mm-hmm. so that's why i'm you know, a sober fanboy which mm-hmm. the fact that you talked about kimmy schmidt brings the fanboy into the whole sober fanboy thing like i love that, that that's- absolutely absolutely um I was talking to somebody today about me coming on and talking with you today, and they were like, well, what are you, like, a fangirl of? What are you, like, obsessed with? And I was like, well, the obsession has lifted. Like, I don't believe in obsessions anymore. But um, uh, Kimmy Schmidt is definitely one of them. I'm, like, a big Doctor Who fan. Love that there's a female doctor. That's fabulous. Um, You know, I love Steven Universe. Um, Hulu's got to update their, like repertoire of that because like it's such a positive message of a show and so inclusive of different people and of different kind of relationships like that's all great stuff and I'm also a fan of like terrible b-rated horror movies specifically that are related to Christmas like that's my jam these days I don't know why like just so ridiculous the uh, ideas of these shows these uh, movies that they come up with and I'm like yes I need to watch Red Christmas, and then I need to watch like this one and that one and the next one. Um, there's also a zombie Christmas horror movie musical. I forget what it's called, but it's on Amazon, it's, and that was really good. That one is is Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes, that's that's, that's a it. very good. I love zombie movies, and um, that one that one was a really good one as well. Have you ever seen Silent Night, Deadly Night, or ever heard of it? Because that's I've an, heard of it. That's I don't an think I've older seen that. one, so maybe you want to check it. Why does a lot of deadly things happen during Christmas? Because there's so many Christmas horror movies. Mm-hmm. What the heck's going on? <laughs> well, guess what? Not everyone has like great Christmas experiences. Like, and I don't know. Like when I'm sad or like feeling a certain way, like I lean into that. I lean into that S H I T lock real hard, and I want to listen to like the saddest music and watch the saddest movies, which usually those involve like a dead parent because uh, my mom passed away twelve years ago. So I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the Family Stone. Sure, I don't care if it's like August. We'll watch the Family Stone, and then we'll go listen to like some Adele, and then we'll just go like, eat lots of ice cream, and then eventually you feel better. So <laughs> you keep you keep telling me about the Family Stone. I haven't seen it. Oh my god, you have to. I gotta go back and see it. Gremlins was actually a Christmas horror movie. Because I always it, forget that. Yeah, I did. I, like when it, when it's brought up to people, like when people geek out or like talk about like specifically mm-hmm. uh, the horror Christmas movies, you know, Krampus or something like that. Uh, That's a good one. Um, Gremlins always comes up. Yeah, it's like one of those those things that comes up, and uh, I, I forget that sometimes. But um. Like we were talking about before. So we met during the whole sobriety thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I know, do you want to give anybody a little background about maybe how, how what started it for you? Like how did you get introduced to sobriety? Do you want to talk about different sobriety things? Like we yeah. were speaking off, off the let's, air. Let's do it. Um, so I've been sober since 
April 17th, 2019. So just over 14 months. Oh my God, I'm a toddler. I'm walking, I'm talking, but I'm still very new. And I like to kind of think of sobriety as in as of right now in this moment i like to think about sobriety as like you know whether you have like a year three year five years like you're still learning at that level of a human in your sobriety you know so like i'm just like learning to form my words and and talk <laughs> and walk the walk and like you know like year two i'm really excited to like you know um really like fall into myself um and fall forward like i know i'm still gonna make mistakes i'm not picking up a drink but i know i'm gonna still make mistakes and um learn how to be kind and gentle with myself and as long as i'm falling forward you know with whatever i'm learning um i'm really looking forward to that um you know i'm in the process of possibly getting my first sponsee um, you know, I'm in a 12 step recovery program, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm also like starting to get out there and try and like do that dating thing that I hear you're supposed to do mm. to like find somebody to hang out with and yeah. who wants to like kiss you sometimes. So like, that's something that, you know, <laughs> literally within the last few weeks, like all these things have kind of come to the surface. And, um, I do think that because I have a pretty solid foundation in sobriety and like knowing myself and knowing what I can and can't do. And uh, what's inside of my um, my boundaries and my comfort zones, um, you know, I'm really excited about that. But pretty much how I got here was um, I uh, had to take a 20 year journey of like self love and self discovery, and um, you know, really like rely on alcohol to cover my feelings, to mess my feelings, to um, also make me feel connected to people. You know, like, cause obviously everyone's like BFFs or everyone's lovers when you're all like, you know, like three sheets to the wind, like five drinks in, you know? And it got to the point where like the, you know, the uh, deficits of that were outweighing the benefits. And mm. it took like a really like dramatic situation to happen yeah. last year yeah. for me to be like, okay, universe, I see you. I'm sorry. I was ignoring you for like a year and a half. I'm real sorry, but I want to do better by you and I want to do better by myself and I want to do better, um, you know, to the people around me who see me, you know, because, you know, when people see you climbing that ladder, it inspires them to do it as well or to question. I've definitely had friends and people who I've talked to in years reach out to me and be like, hey, like, you know, I'm on like day, like, two of sobriety and like I don't I don't know how you do this or be like hey I'm like your friend's cousin and we haven't talked in a couple years you know he did come and fix my uh, electricity one day in my bathroom a few years ago um but besides that we didn't talk and he's like yeah I'm seeing your post and I'm kind of questioning you know Mm. like where I'm at with my drinking like what's going on there you know I've had and I have other stories like that and um I just know that, you know, we all have a journey that we're on and, um, you know, we get to a point where it's like we can continue doing what we're doing or we can like really like take a deep dive into ourselves and figure out if that's really working anymore. Um, You know, and I definitely feel like I had to go through all the things I went through to be here and to be like, I know my life can be so much more expansive than it is. I was living in a very closed and closed minded um, way about like what I can and can't do, what I can and can't accomplish, what I can and can't manifest into my life. So that's a very, very short version of this because we keep this under 30 minutes. So (laughs) we don't have to like keep that. Too tight. Too tight, yeah, yeah. It's a loose wrapping. It's not like a typo, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) I love the fact that, you know, I feel like the universe, 
brings you brings you stuff when you're ready for it even though you don't feel you're ready for it so the things that you were like oh now like you know dating is an option and like oh like giving this away is an option like it presented itself like for me i have an experience i remember a lot of people say that they haven't had that white light experience but for me i felt like i did and i don't know if it was coincidental but i don't believe coincidences exist mm-hmm. and like i was driving one day and it was a little after my year and at that moment when i was driving past uh, a more pizzeria on union boulevard mm-hmm. and i said to myself all right now i'm ready to sponsor someone and i just felt like a white light like i felt i don't know if the clouds were covering the sun and they left but like <laughs> i felt that moment and about two days later i had my first sponsor somebody came out of nowhere and they said would you sponsor me and um I thought, you know, I'm, I'm part of a 12 step program as well. So that was like so amazing to me. And also like, you know, what you were saying, like I, I was not I was open about sobriety and like where I was working, like two different secretaries had situations where they needed my number because they had husbands mm-hmm. or friends, husbands that needed it. And like you said, like people were coming out of the woods work because woodworks because they saw you just talking about it. And I thought I think that's amazing that like what you know, honor is that right to have somebody like be really vulnerable with you who um, you may have known like for a minute or like for like ten years come to you and be like hey like this thing is going on right now and I don't know what to do or who to talk to but I feel like you're a safe space for me like that's just like a beautiful <laughs> thing and um, you know it really keeps you humble and it really keeps you like connected to like yourself and being like you know kind of keeps you accountable you know to um to continue to live your life the way that you're living to kind of continue to bring these experiences and that you can help other people because it's all about community and connection and being courageous um that's like the some of the c's that i live with you know being sober and um the only thing different that's happened lately to kind of bring these newer experiences into my life is like when i'm doing my nightly prayers i just tell the universe that's who i call my higher power and she's a badass lady i tell the universe i'm like listen like I, I'm open to receiving whatever you're ready to send me. I'm open for a sponsee. I'm open for dating and new connections and new partnerships. I'm open for yoga teacher training and how yeah. that's going to manifest. And I'm open for all the abundance that you're ready to send me when the time is right. So that's literally the only thing that's changed the last couple of weeks. And like, here we are. It's, it's really magical. Like, I can't explain it. I'll tell you right now, I mean, I have my, uh, that's my vision board over Love there it. and things that I kind of wanted, I, I put on there so I could look at it every day and it yeah. reinforces these things into my brain mm-hmm. and stuff. So you, you talked about yoga, right? So like, you know, you're into that, mm-hmm. you know, you're into all these different things that, like um, bendy. It's more than me and bendy. It's like you're bending your mind as well as your body, but yeah, yoga is a beautiful thing. And I didn't know until I got, um, sober that they also have like recovery, programs and yoga that's based around recovery but it's also yoga so i really would eventually like to get certified in that um because i think that's a that's a beautiful um you know a beautiful experience and um if anybody's going through any trauma or have been through any trauma like i recommend the book uh the body keeps the score by vessel vanderkook and he explains um in the book uh, which us yogis know, but that, you know, doing yoga helps unlock, you know, like hidden and stored memories inside of yourself. Really? Like you could be like oh, in wow. pigeon pose and like it hurts real bad. And then you start like hysterically crying and you know what's going on. I've only regular cried, not hysterically cried in, uh, in pigeon, but she's you waiting know. for the hysterically crying. Yeah. Part. You know, she I got to live up. That. I got to move up to that because yeah. <laughs> my hysterical crying is it's not fun. Steps. It's like I hyperventilate and I need my inhaler. But, uh, <laughs> 
But um, so when <laughs> you go through things, the body keeps the score. The brain is like a crazy instrument that knows like how to like tuck things deep inside it. And um, certain things might trigger memories. And on um, this book, it's it's really heavy. It talks about like trigger warning, sexual assault, alcoholism, mm-hmm. uh, domestic violence, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I really don't think that there's anybody in our society that hasn't been touched in some way by those things. And yeah. just to be able to read this book and kind of have a little bit more of an understanding of how the brain works and um, what different things you can do to kind of move through that. They talk about theater. They talk about different um, modalities of therapy. And they do talk about yoga. And guess what? There's probably free yoga out there. So, um, woo! woo. Uh, especially during this pandemic time and stuff. So, um, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to... I'm just looking at your board over your shoulder right now. And to be able to be like, you know not having fear to be like uh you know to be a wall but fear is a skin that you shed over and over and over and i know that us sober people we shed those skins so many times and every time a shiny new pretty skin comes in and uh, that's a beautiful thing that's amazing i love that the fact i got it from a podcast but i always remember it's from uh spiritual af which is a very good podcast as well what was the name of that book uh, the book I just mentioned is called The Body Keeps the Score by Vessel um, Vondercook. Yeah. I've heard it mentioned um, at a recovery retreat I went to, and several people mentioned to it to me during those few weeks, and I'm like, I gotta buy it. And then the pandemic happened. I'm like, well, if I gotta read like some heavy stuff, it's gotta be now where I have the time to process it. So it's a definitely a good read. You just gotta take it piece by piece because it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I know I have my books. Jamie, Jamie definitely loves a lot of books. We were talking about... Um, Oh, you said books, podcasts. Um, you mentioned be off the off this. We were talking about Brene Brown mm-hmm. and and Melody Beattie. So like yep. you know, those are some people. Like I didn't know even about um, Brene Brown until I went to your house and we watched it on Netflix. Yeah, and that uh, was amazing. I think it's called a call to call a call to courage is her Netflix special. And she talked all, all about shame, and I didn't realize how much like. Not only maybe I had some shame, but mm-hmm. also like people want to shame you. Mm-hmm. And like even my buddy called me and he was talking about a situation that he's struggling with and he's being judged by it. And like he could feel it because people judge him. And I'm like, you know what, dude? I said, that's your journey and your experience. So whatever you got to experience or how much pain or not pain you got to go through, like, you know, that's you. And I told him like, like I've been told people said, I just want you to be happy and mm-hmm. I love you. Like yeah. my, my, you know, the first guy that helped me with the 12-step program, he told me, I just want you to be happy and I love you. And he mm-hmm. didn't, he just let me do on my journey, let me go on my journey and that's a, a, one of those amazing things. Thank where, you uh, for that advice. I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah, because it's, um, like for me, I, I suffer from the codependency thing. I, I do have that because I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, doing those those things that trying to alleviate all the the stuff that comes with codependency and mm-hmm. since I'm doing the work it's getting so much better so I know I have it because yeah. if the they always say if the medicine's working you might have the disease mm-hmm. and um, I know it's very hard for me to um, I want uh, not control well I'll say control yes you know I want to tell people you know like you know stop banging your head against the wall because they're complaining about the headache that comes from them banging their head against the wall so (laughs) it's almost like a natural thing but like it's not my i'm learning myself that it's not my place to do these things you know to be to to be so uh you know controlling and i think with the sponsorship it's such a good marriage of like understanding of like i want to help you yeah you know as much as you you want to be helped Mm -hmm. you know 
but like also having the the nice like boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Ba- I'm, I'm the just learning about the word boundaries, but you've always talked about ban- boundaries. I didn't know what boundaries were. The world was just like a very um, amoebic, like an amoeba, right? That's something that like, eats everything that comes in contact with, right? My life was very amoebic. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's a word, but it's a word now. Um, you know, before I you got into sobriety, first, um, and I thought that also depend i'm very codependent i'm not in any sort of like treatment for that except for therapy yay therapy thank you county for giving me a job that i can afford free ish therapy (laughs) i mean 25 dollars a visit it feels free compared to like unfortunately what other people have to pay but um it's worth it yeah it's definitely (laughs) worth it and i've learned uh and this was even before i got into therapy but i wrote a poem when i uh, broke up with my uh, my my former partner last year that I felt like I was a clothesline and I just kept stretching it, stretching that clothesline and Mm -hmm. pinning stuff to it and being like, this is how I get validation and show people (laughs) that I'm lovable and this is how I love people. Oh, this can handle some more. Oh, a bird just landed on this. Oh, a whole family of birds just landed on this clothesline. (laughs) I can handle it. This is fine. And it wasn't fine. And then, you know, when everything kind of happened and I stopped drinking and I and I stopped dating my my former partner like you know obviously at that point the the line had snapped and now I'm just like laying on the floor looking up at the sky and being like it's okay to rest and be down here and feel connected to the ground and feel little buggies crawling in on me and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and like I wrote that poem before I got to therapy so I had the awareness that like you know, uh, my life became unmanageable in ways besides just using alcohol and ways of my codependency and how that's all, you know, related to, you know, family stuff growing up, um, which I didn't realize as much until I got into therapy and really like digged into that family systems model. But, um, you know, boundaries are a beautiful thing and boundaries, they're not necessarily fixed. You know, they can be, you know, a chain link fence. You can look through it and feel the air come through, but there needs to be some sort of structure um, you know, to your life and to what you can and can offer people. And I love that sobriety um, helps me with that. And having sober friends help me with that because they understand if I'm like, nope, I can't do that tonight or can't do that this week. I need some time to myself. I need to do this or that. You know, people who are in some sort of recovery are a little bit more understanding of that dynamic than other people who like may have their own stuff that they're not dealing with. Then they just want you to to be there and like to bend to their will, mm. you know, especially with like family members and people of, you know, that persuasion, um, people who have been in their, their, um, behavior patterns for a long time, you know, to kind of swing it back to the spirituality. Like, do you try and change that person? And you can't do that. That's not how life works. Or do you try and be like, Hmm, what is the spiritual lesson here that I'm trying to learn? What can I take from this instead of trying to change it? Because, um, you know, we start using substances and start trying to control other people's behaviors to, um, change what's going on inside Mm. or change what's going on in the world. That's just not, that's not how it works. I love that. I love that shift. That whole mindset you just talked, like right now, how you just said, it's like, all right, looking at it half full instead of half empty. So instead of uh, trying to say like, you know, um, like this person, like what's wrong with this person? How about I say, you know what? 
what's up with me mm-hmm. how can i like make that boundary with that person and and like you know sometimes they're family members yeah. like just like you said and, like, mm-hmm. and, and i have to deal with them so what's the right way to deal with them but like you you know because you just said community you talked mm-hmm. about community what do you what do you feel like uh about community as far as like a fellowshipping and, and, and meeting a community that's closer to things that you like and mm-hmm. how do they help you and build you, right? They always say you are the sum of like five people that you hang out with, for example. So like, you know, what do Ooh, you feel? I'm very like? interesting then. Yeah. Because um, oh. you're one of them probably. Ooh. So um, Holla. So when you first like get sober, everything feels really raw and unreal and you're like, how am I supposed to function as a human in this world without this beautiful codependent substance that uh was my bff at points um so i didn't really start fellowshipping as you said until um you know a few months into my sobriety and really not seriously until the last like seven months maybe Mm. um Mm. you know when i found um you know some wonderful young people um you know that i could connect with and um you know spend time with you know because some people who are in the program they're older and they have families and they have like different obligations where i'm just like buck wild free cat mom and i have time to spare with people you know um but um plus in a different place in your life probably. and also a different place in my life you know um being a young professional and just trying to figure my way in the world but um but community like anyone can like just not drink or just not use you know um for a little while at least <laughs> but um when you have that community and you are sharing resources and you're sharing experiences and you're sharing vulnerabilities and heartbreak and um wins and losses and all those kinds of things um with people who like really intimately like understand aspects of your experience not not necessarily everything um, I remember people saying, like, identify with the feeling, not the experience. Because, yeah, I never gotten arrested, but I felt so desperate at times that I had to turn to that drink. And I felt, you know, so angry at times I had to lash out at somebody, you mm. know. So those are similar feelings that, you know, someone who may do something like that could do. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like, you know... Um, community is one of the biggest things that keeps me accountable. I know not that I live my life for other people, but I know that, you know, I can be, you know, a light in the tunnel for somebody, Mm. um, you know, and to just like completely disregard what I do every day to keep myself sober and spiritually fit. Um, you know, it's really a disservice to me and other people because I also lean on people when I have questions or concerns, or if I just need to talk to a friendly face, like I know that I have like this wealth and this like depth of people that are willing to be there for me because I would do the same thing for them because that's how I stay sober. I stay sober because I stay connected to other people who are trying to you know live their better life. And um, you know I know that if I do something or if or if I ever messed up and relapsed and stuff, um, I would feel a lot less shame knowing that there's other people who have been through similar things and it could talk me through and and remind myself there's always another day one you know um and you can always do it again um you know obviously relapsing is my you know is my biggest fear being sober um but I think a bigger fear before I got sober was like not living my life up to my potential and just like making choices because of fear all the time because that's what I was doing I was choosing who I was dating I was choosing how I was acting I was Mm. choosing like my experiences to be like safe and sheltered and enclosed yeah um you know so now I definitely live a a life out loud more and it's only because like I have a, a a group of people who are also doing their best and also they're like all like messed up inside like me but like if we talk about it 
it feels less like alone and less isolating because we're all messed up. You know, some people just don't go to a recovery program to deal with it, you know? Yeah, I feel I feel like that's amazing that you feel that right they always say two heads are better than one but like you know if one of the heads is really sick then it's like how are you getting how are you getting anything from that or the blind leading the blind but like you said when you're down when you have questions you you have like good people now to reference right you have mm-hmm. the good people which then in turns makes you a good person for when now someone that's needs help and they're suffering and they come to you and they're mm-hmm. like you know i need help i don't know what's going on and then it's like since i'm good now i'm i'm, well, I'm better now mm-hmm. i'm getting better Right, I'm always getting better, yep. and then now I can give that away to somebody else, and then, oh, forget it. You see the light go on in them, but yep. there's also a light that goes on in you when you're actually able to pass. It's that the on. constant light. Community it's like is the constant big. lighthouse of like giving back, of you know, um, doing a certain step in a certain program. It's like the constant like rebirth of your joy and your excitement to see somebody like get it or to see somebody be reached out. And that also goes with boundaries. Like you can't do that with every darn person that walks through a door, you know? So you get to learn like discretion of Mm, like, you know, how much to give to somebody, you know, how much is appropriate. You learn to trust that like belly feeling. You're like, "Mm, I don't know if like how much I can give to this person, but I'll give them what I can and I'll give them what they're ready to receive, that's you know, you and that's that. it. Like, you feel that. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the, that comes from, like I said, continuous self-work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to someone today and I was uh, trying to help them out and, and, you know, just share my experience of like, oh, anxiety, because mm-hmm. I have general anxiety disorder. Yeah. And like they had anxiety. So I was sharing how therapy works for me, how this works mm-hmm. for me. And they go to therapy and stuff. It's just today, I guess, was one of those days that they're like, they don't see any hope, any light, anything. And for myself, I ex, ex, uh, expressed as much of my experience and ex, uh, and as much hope, I guess, as I can give to the person. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, I get, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting them to be like, you know what? Now the day is bright and everything's well. You fixed and me, John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't expect that. But after a while as well, like I feel a little like. Um, all right, that's my boundary. Like, you know, you, I, I said what I said. We had a good conversation. You're still, like, down and about it, and you don't, like, see anything hopeful. But, you know, at, at least um, the point blank, at the end of the day, I tried. And that's it's, that's it's it. like, you know, someone's hanging over a cliff like and like there's a ladder, but it's a little bit too low. You got to throw them a rope and start to climb, help them climb up. But once I get to that bottom rung, you have to trust that, you know, they know what's best for them, even if they're not acting that way right now. And mm-hmm. they have to start to, to, you know, climb that ladder. But certainly throwing that rope down is the start. And that's what we're responsible for, you know, in, in being it. sober people is just to, you know, sh- give them a little rope. And if they they, you know, um, want to let go and not even go to that fr- first run. You know, maybe it's just not the right time, and that's okay. I love that, and you always, you always about that. Like uh, you remind me, as far as like, that's just how it's supposed to be right now. That's the time. Actually, I had a conversation with with uh, my buddy Ryan. Mm-hmm. Who, Ryan, I could say Ryan Casada because he's coming on the show. He was supposed to be before you, so we're gonna see how it all works out mm-hmm. um, about what goes out what comes out first maybe you will come out uh, whatever the episode thing might come but um as far as like uh we were speaking about that about like if i'm having a bad day does not mean i'm having a bad recovery yes we are allowed to have a bad day 
And if you want to judge me on my day, fine. Everyone's everyone's entitled to judge me on my day. Mm-hmm. But you know what? All in all, I I know that I'm so blessed. I'm privileged to have this recovery. So mm-hmm. you know, we're allowed to have our bad days. Yeah. And, Plain, plain and simple to me like you know and people can think or say whatever they want but like you know the bad day does not mean that that person is like oh i don't want that person's recovery and it's like well you know yeah and let's talk about <clears throat> i mean we're already like 31 minutes in but let's i don't ta- care i don't care let's about talk that. about those like other things that we're recovering from like perfectionism Ooh. like trying to be like the perfect sober person like yeah. i've not been going to certain recovery meetings as much as i feel like i should be and then i talked to my therapist about it and she calls me out and she's like you do so much for your recovery um are you going to a meeting once in a while yes because i have an online home group that is a non a face-to-face group but now it's online obviously um, you know, and are you meditating? Are you praying? Are you getting connected with nature almost every day? Are you running, walking, or doing yoga? At least one of the things every day. You know, are you talking to your sober friends? Are you doing your gratitude journal? All those are check marks every day, you know. And, um, you know, the joy of knowing people in different parts of their recovery is to, you know, um, is to realize that like we all don't know the answers the only person that know the answers is our higher power so we're that gives us permission to try things on you know as long as it you know doesn't affect your sobriety but to to try things on and just to do our best and like i started running now like i run now and i never run before for fun except for you know they make you run that mile in high school i'm like why are they doing this this is torture (laughs) i have asthma i can't do this but um you know before my one year i was like well why don't i like you know try to like run a 5k in honor like of my mom my mom was also an alcoholic yeah um you know and she's passed like i mentioned i'm like that'd be such a cool thing let's go run and do it for a 5k so i did do it um with my friend katie who is also in recovery she's not in a program or anything like that but she just realized the spectrum of sobriety if alcohol wasn't serving her anymore was making her life more difficult so um shout out to katie i've known her for 25 years um no i lied like 30 years i'm 35 almost oh my god uh jamie was wrong promptly admitted it yeah see i'm calling myself out my own stuff open honest (laughs) and willing that's what we do here (laughs) and um you know i remember when i first started uh you know doing that running process and i was like doing like a training whatever and i'm like oh god i went like point one second slower than i did (laughs) yesterday especially now because now i'm just kind of free running and i'm like oh my god my mile my miles were like 30 seconds slower today and i was like well it was hot as crap today and like also i ate a lot of doritos last night so that probably affected like (laughs) how much energy i had today and um i'm in the middle of a run challenge where me and some of my sober ladies that i met through instagram excellent resource if you're like not sure about sobriety no one's like creeping on you on instagram so go join some sober you know pages and follow some wonderful sober people so i know like eight people from like wisconsin so we're in this run club and we're running every day at least a mile every day for 41 days we're on day 28 today and i'm like oh my god i'm so tired and i'm so tired. so i literally was watching my clock today being like when is this mile over are we done are we there i have to go to father's day are we done with this This is good enough you know so like really like finding little things like that because i thought when i used to do things i'd have to do them perfectly or else what's the point of doing them like, exactly i need to be perfect at this hobby and not just enjoy it for fun so like that's a something that's been like a beautiful thing that i've been exploring in sobriety and um 
you know, being a recovering alcoholic, codependent perfectionist, <laughs> um, and also a middle child. I mean, it can't change anything about like that. That's just my, you know, my my goal in this life, I guess, is to be a middle child. But um, you know, just to remember that, like, I remember um, somebody said something about like women with grace, and like living with grace is living Ooh, yeah. with like kindness to yourself kindness to others mm. doing the next right thing yeah. um not talking gossipy shit about people that's not cool you know there's certainly people in the sobriety community who do that and i do my best to not try and engage in that kind of stuff and i have concerns or issues about somebody i try my best to address that with them if i need to yeah. or just kind of sit with it being like what's this trying to teach me like is this really something i need to address with this person or is this like my thing you know um so like to be in recovery um in general i feel like it's also to be in recovery from you know realizing that you don't need to be this like perfect example of someone all the time because that's not realistic like yeah. you said you're gonna have bad days in sobriety and you're gonna yeah. be like what's the point everything <laughs> stings this is bull crap why am i doing this i should just go back to like you know using and like you know drinking and drugging and all that kind of stuff take the um, pain away yeah that way. take the pain away oh uh, please and the pandemic is like the worst time the best and the worst time to be sober the best time is because like bars until recently weren't really open so like, if you're gonna be sober it's gonna be less likely for you to like go out there if that was your your jam is to go to um to bars and stuff but also the worst because like you know the recovery community is a little bit different now because we have to like do some stuff online and yeah. it's weird and not the same um you know and you and, and you also have to like sit with those feeling things and you're like oh god they're here <laughs> and i want them to go away i've had many times feeling that way you know, uh, during sobriety um, and during the pandemic, but um, but yeah. So I give kudos to whoever's out there and sober and who's newly sober. You know, I know that we have a friend who got sober right before the pandemic happened. I think I met him like three times, and like he's like a recovery rock star. Like he's chairing <laughs> a meeting. He's got a virtual home group. Um, he also has a black cat. So I'm trying not to like. Let that influence how much I love this person. Um, But, you know, to see, like, things like that, it shows me that, like, hey, if you're ready for, you know, sobriety and you're surrounding yourself with the right people and you're doing the work, like, this this could be an amazing life for you, you know? Oh, without a doubt. I think that, I think that, you know, like you said, anyone that can get, like, sober during this this, uh, pandemic and things like that, like, they, they, first of all, should be... This should count twice, right? Yeah. The first year should be two years. So I really have two years and four months right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, um, I think that uh, I think that we don't have enough time to cover like so many things that you mentioned. As far as like, you know, you talked about your mom, and I would love like in, in, for you to come back and speak about like you know your mom. And we were talking off air about like uh, the spectrum of sobriety yeah. and Nothing talk that about we talked like about off air was talked about yeah yeah no no this is so (laughs) organic and and i and i think i want everyone to know that uh, that we talked about the reason i started this podcast is because me and you talked about doing a podcast together Mm -hmm. so the fact that we have so much to talk about and to dive into even more and deeper and deeper and deeper like you know i think that i want you to come back again and again and again keep coming back and we're gonna just shoot shoot the shit I love shooting the stuff. I'm. I was like, I wasn't cursing at first. So I was like, I don't know. Am I allowed to curse on this thing? No. Uh, but you know, keep... I love a good f bomb and s bomb oh. here and there. Um, but um, for those of you who don't know John Jeremy, he is like 
I mentioned Grace. He's like a pillar of Grace, you know, oh, in this program. Geez. And he's always giving back and he's always doing his best. And he's also showing his vulnerabilities. And as um, a sober man specifically, you know, men are taught in our society, you know, just to man up and like nut up or shut up, which is a disgusting phrase anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, and like John is a beautiful example of what, you know, being a vulnerable sober person can look like so i'm just really honored to know you and have you as my friend and thank you so much for asking me to come on and talk to you jamie thank you so much i believe you might be the first guest i i I just listened to a whole conversation right now and i think there's no editing that needs to be done it's gonna go out as it is perfectionism yes (laughs) i'm gonna do i'm gonna do an intro and outro and like it's just gonna be really good so uh Thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. Uh, I love you so much. And, I love and you too. This is just the first. So you'll be the first guest. And then uh, from now on, just, you know, it's going to be, I know people are going to just love to hear you come back on so we could talk so much. Like I said, I have so much stuff in my brain I want to talk to you about. And just shoot the crap. And that's it. Let's do it. High five. Yeah, high five. Oh, All right. You didn't hear oh, that. yeah. I heard that one. Yeah. All right, everybody. <laughs> talk to you later. Bye.